0: Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware, I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith. Welcome back for another episode. On this episode, I have the Reverend Corey Robbins joining today and talking about her journey in health, and we're going to unpack what health means, because this is something that we have had so many guests bring up, this idea of health, healthy lifestyles, healthy living. Uh, But... Friends, the thing is, is that health and a healthy lifestyle can look different to each and every one of us. And so what does it mean for us to come in and define that nature? And so I invited Corey on to hopefully give us a little bit of insight into how it has come along in her journey, what she has done, and what insights we can take from how she has learned, how she has grown, and how we can bring those ideas into our own journeys as well so that we ourselves can define, you know what, this is what healthy living is for me. So let's dive into our conversation with Corey. All right. We are here with Corey Robbins. Uh, Corey, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I'm a little tired, but awesome. I'm a mom of two babies. So that's normal. Okay. <laughs> I can,
0: I can understand that. I think yours are a little younger than mine. So, uh, <laughs> It Definitely definitely in that phase. Uh, so Corey, we like to start every episode of Active Faith by learning a little bit more about our guests. So who are you? Uh, where do you call home? And then uh, what are some ways that you practice self-care?
1: Excellent. Yes. So my name is Corey Robbins, and I'm originally from the uh, Southeast area of Virginia, grew up in Chesapeake, and have been uh, United Methodist my whole life, uh, was called into ministry probably, I would say, uh, as a teenager. I, I was really active in youth group and conference youth and did the annual conference thing and knew I was called, but didn't really accept that until the end of college. And then went to Duke Divinity School after I graduated from Virginia Wesleyan. Um, I loved it so much that uh, after I finished Duke, I stayed and got a job and then began the ordination process as a, a loner from Virginia. And in that process met my husband, Tiagin, who is from North Carolina. and. We got married. I got ordained. I'm still in North Carolina on loan from Virginia. I serve full-time as an associate at Orange United Methodist Church in Chapel Hill, and I live in Durham, and I am moving five minutes down the street next week. So very exciting and a busy time. but
2: Yes.
0: And then what are some ways that you practice self-care?
1: Yeah. So self-care is really uh, something that has been important to me for probably the last decade. Um I've been uh had my own health journey and kind of exploring what that looks like and as I've graduated from seminary and begun working in the church, I've seen the impact that a lack of self-care can have on people in ministry and whether or not that this is going to be a career path that they can, you know, per- continue to pursue for the long term. And so I think some ways I practice self-care is is to make sure that the values that I have match up with the things that I'm doing? Because it's amazing when we think like, what are our values? Oh, wait, my number one value is uh, is is my faith. Oh, I I rarely go to church or I rarely read the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. So how do our values match up? So I think one for me is uh, I make sure I, and this is, I'm not naturally inclined towards it, but my husband is and my two boys are. So spending a lot of time outside, we spend a lot of time, outside, um, and trying to, you know, take a walk, explore, and it helps me practice mindfulness. I'd say, uh, I'm a baby, an infant, uh, when it comes to mindfulness as a <laughs> practice, but uh, I'm, I'm working on that. Everybody's got to, um, work that muscle, work that mindfulness bicep. So that's one thing. I also just, you know, I'm very social. I'm a three on the Enneagram and I, uh, love spending time with my friends. So getting out, grabbing coffee, and getting a pedicure once a month—that is like what I cling to for self-care. Ooh, and I am uh, notorious for uh, watching every new show that's come on any <laughs> streaming platform. I don't—people uh, don't know how I make time for. it. I don't make, know how I make time for it, but I love—I love pop culture, and that's something that brings me a lot of joy.
0: Awesome, yeah. So even even more so than how we practice self-care on the Active Faith podcast, as I always say, we like to dive into the why. Uh, And looking at the why becomes so important. And so beyond all of these different various ways that you practice self-care, why is self-care such an important aspect of your life?
1: Yeah, so I am one of 10 children, and I am number seven in the lineup of those 10 children. I grew up uh, in my mom and dad, uh, obviously, um, we... (laughs) Nothing special about us. We're Methodists. We didn't have a farm or anything. They just liked have liked a big family and wanted a big <laughs> family. So, um, but we all struggle with um genetically just being predisposed to obesity and things like that. So a lot of my siblings and myself who've struggled in that area and, and it struggle in my struggle was through childhood and in high school. I had some medical issues that were just really concerning. And when I went finally, my mom and I went to the doctor to have them, you know, um kind of assessed they said it, it's it's it, it you would benefit from from losing weight and so i i lost a little bit and some of those um medical issues kind of reversed and i was like oh wait okay well that was pretty wonderful that i was mm-hmm. able to To reclaim some of that. And then um, I I put my, I don't like this phrase, but um, kind of put myself on the back burner through college and in the beginning of seminary. And I really realized my final year of seminary, 2011 to 2012, I said, I'll probably never have the opportunity to have this flexible of a schedule and to be this honestly selfish with my time and my routine and the way I do things. And so I just made a commitment to myself in that final year that I was going to try to pursue a healthier lifestyle for me. And I lost an additional amount of weight. So I've maintained about a a 90 to 100 pound weight loss for about the last decade, just through modified uh, lifestyle changes. And, you know, I've had two kids, so I've ebbed and I flowed in that, um, in that work, but it really uh, just brought to my attention how, what we are capable of in terms of, of owning our own health and not just our physical health. I think that is a byproduct of, of a lot mm-hmm. of the ways we take care of ourselves holistically. So how are we taking care of ourselves spiritually and mentally, vocationally, financially, uh, you know, socially, all of those pieces. And uh, it just became a passion of, of mine, of why self-care is so important. So much so that I wanted to, I saw some of my peers, some of my colleagues struggling so much with the demands of Pastoral work and taking care of themselves and making time for the things that they love. So I sought out to try to find if there were were people doing this work of helping clergy reclaim that um, self care and that that wheel of well being um, that I like to refer to. So I found a program called the Clergy Health Institute at a Pfeiffer University. Started working with them in 2015 2016. And they provide a 10 day retreat that attends to that whole wheel of wellbeing, um, Mm -hmm. tries to encourage clergy to put into practice things that reflect their values so that they, they can reclaim their health all around. And I've loved working with them, but that's become a passion of mine. And so, um, I'm now in the process of becoming a, a nationally board board certified health and wellness coach. Um, so that's really exciting for me and I work a lot with the Enneagram. So I think that is, really important for self-care because what's self-care to you is not self-care to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a helpful tool in just understanding how we think about the world differently.
0: Yeah. And and I think where it starts in that whole sort of realm was this basis of health that really uh defined the early part of your life. And for listeners of the podcast, you, you know, we've we've dove into not necessarily what health means. But we've looked at different varying styles of healthiness throughout the the, the spectrum of humanity. Uh, so as you're thinking about these things, as you're looking at your journey, as you're thinking about your experience and your learning, how would you define health or how would you define healthy living? Um, not as like a one pinpoint thing, but but maybe as a holistic lifestyle of what it looks like. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, in our culture, this. Diet culture is such a such a problematic just Mm -hmm. thing in and of itself, and I've I've done a lot of work around that, trying to discern you know how am I participating in systems that uh, that give people privilege who um, and 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 kind of put other people discriminate other uh, against other people because of their um, their weight or their ability in all those ways, and so diet culture and the you know, fat phobia and and those kinds of things are very in weight bias are very important to me, and so I do think that healthy is a, a term that is very easily monopolized by a group of people. So I think diet culture is truly just a reflection of capitalism. It uh, yeah. is a money making venture, and it is kind of hijacked the term health, the term wellness, the term you know uh, like clean living. Those kinds of things are can be very uh, isolating for folks who don't feel like they they have the access to to be what you when you when you google the word health and mm-hmm. what pops up you know I'll I'll never be that so why even bother at all and so it is a struggle but i think health and wellness for me means having a life that truly reflects the values that are most important to you mm. and so how do you access how do you How do you make that shift from knowing these are my values and actually living and being and doing those values in your life, right? So that, and that comes with our discipleship. That comes with everything. Like there's so many of us who say, yes, God is important to me. um, But uh, how do you, how do you make that a practice? What do you do to make that real? You know, uh, being with people is important to me. When was the last time you went out with a you know, a friend or yeah. somebody and spent time? So that's my definition of how of a healthy life is a life where your values are actually lived.
0: And like you said, the fallacy that we can fall into is trying to judge our manner of health against that of societies. And I think that there's ways in which, you know, you talked about it in your journey of having a doctor tell you, you know, if you don't make a change, X, Y, Z could happen. And it became an opportunity for you to engage with what it meant for you to be healthy, you know, Cory Robbins. Whereas, you know, in in other person's lives, it might look very different when they go to the doctor and they say, okay, if you don't do this, this, and this, then that could impact your own healthy lifestyle. And I think that when, when we start trying to put, you know, what works for me on someone else, you know, I often think about how running shoes work for a lot of folks. Uh, and in the running world, we tell people, you know, or I, at least I tell people like someone asks, like, oh, what are the best running shoes? I'm like, whatever ones fit your foot the best. Um, you know, I can spend 20, 30 minutes at a running store really trying to find the perfect running shoe for myself for whatever season I'm in. Um, and I think it's the same thing with our self, self-care self routines. Um, and I appreciate your teasing out of those ideas. And so when we're helping people, like when we're trying to help pull those ideas out or when we're trying to pull those ideas out for ourselves, you know, what is that contextual nature that we look at within ourselves to identify those healthy practices? How, how would, how yeah. How, how are you going about it? What are you doing? What's worked for you? Not necessarily to find like, this is my ideal weight, or this is my ideal amount of time of meditation. This is my ideal activity that I need to do. Uh, but, but what are some of the things that you went through to get to that point to figure out what works for you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's it. That's completely it. You know, you don't, the running shoes, you, you have to figure out which running shoes work for you. Right. You know, I know you could tell me, I really think this is the running shoe. That's going to work for you, Corey. And it's not going to work for me Mm -hmm. because none of us, we automatically have a defense mechanism when people, other people tell us how we should do a certain thing and it doesn't come from our own um our own sense of of self and actualization. And I I mean that that's so true when it comes to uh discipleship in our life as as followers of Jesus. Like you know what there were 12 disciples and they all connected with a with with 12 different ways of being a follower of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So there we have we have things we know work but still those things have to resonate with us. You know, prayer works. Well, what kind of prayer do you do? Walking prayer? Do you do prayer in a dark room? Do you need a closet to do prayer? You know what? So I think asking people, not dictating to people what that self-care, what that holistic life looks like, but teasing it out of them. You know, if you tell me, okay, you need to lose weight for your health. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fine, but why why do you feel the need to tell, what if at this, like where I'm at now, I can do all the things I want to do and all the things that I aspire to do, um, then there's, that definition of health is flawed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, for, I was just recently doing a class uh, or in a class for um, this health and wellness, and they had an individual that was being interviewed who he he failed his physical for driving his truck that he'd done for 40 years. Mm. And he was devastated. Um, but n- the doctor had been telling him to get his diabetes under you know, control for years and years and years. And he just couldn't make the sacrifices that he needed to. He, you know, he would forget to take his medicine. He wouldn't make it a priority. And then working with a, a coach who said, well, what, is, what matters to you? And he said, the thing that matters to me most in this world is being able to drive my truck and provide for my family, they said, okay, well, how are you going to get to do that? So, well, I got to take my medicine and I, I gotta, I gotta start doing these things. And, and so that was his decision and his path, uh, and his own expression of health. And, and you know what, it, it worked for him. That was, mm-hmm. it, we're all, we're all motivated by different values. And so I, I'm, I think, uh, that's how it's teased out, you know, for yeah. me, I want to, I want to hike. And I want to go and see things that uh, that require, you know, to break out in a sweat. Like, I, I find for me that that is such a stress reliever. So I want to be able to to do that, especially mm-hmm. in, 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 with my husband and with my kids. And so, um, actually having to build up that kind of stamina is important to me. So I have to do the things that are help help me get there.
0: And it comes in identifying who, who we are. And so, you know, you talked earlier about the Enneagram. Uh, listeners of the podcast know that I sometimes default to that as well. I as well am an Enneagram 3. Um, and so, I mean, what is about the process of knowing ourselves? I mean, it might seem like an easy answer, but I like to vocalize it. What about the process of knowing ourselves helps us? Um, and, and why is that an important place for us to start?
1: I mean, so I'm just this, I've studied Enneagram for a long, long time, started with my clinical pastoral education, my CPE unit. We had to do a, a two day mm. training 10 years ago, and it's kind of followed me since then and weasels its way into everything. So I just recently became a certified Enneagram coach. And because I think the Enneagram is so helpful for helping us understand that the, not everyone sees the world the way we do.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we have such different motivations. A lot of times our behaviors are similar, but the reasons why we behave that way are not. Uh, and it has been so helpful in my own relationships. But I think that knowing ourselves, particularly our challenges and our fears, helps us to be able to, in any grim world, we call it not get on the train,
2: mm-hmm. not
1: always default to the things that, in a lot of ways, have. Have kept us alive all our lives. Those default, you know, patterns of behaviors and and ways we think, um, but they've also tripped us up, right? You know, I I, ask, I lead an enneagram group at church, and our question uh, that I jokingly ask every week is, you know, how has your personality ruined your life this week? Mm. And <laughs> and it's always yeah. we always laugh, and it's always fun, and no matter what, everybody's like, yeah, well this happened and I totally got on the train. And then we always celebrate and say, when was a moment this week that maybe you didn't get on the train and people are excited to share those as well. But I think for you can see the way for me, like I'm an Enneagram three achievement Mm -hmm. is, is what I'm motivated by and failure is what I'm demoralized by. And so if I'm in a process of like, I've got a 10 K in October, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. And then I, I realize I'm not going to get there too often. I would just throw in the towel. Yeah. Cause if I'm going to fail then I might as well fail now and not have to do all that hard work. Uh, But I think with the Enneagram knowing that I can say that is completely you getting on the train. Can't you take a moment and be mindful and recognize the benefit that is still there from you continuing to train. Maybe you won't get there. Maybe you'll have to walk the last mile, but look how much further you are than when you started. So. For me, that is a way I can, I can say here, here's where I would go automatically on autopilot. And here's where I think is a healthier place to go.
0: And for our listeners, you know, tools like the Enneagram, like Myers-Briggs, like strength finders, like, like all of these different, you know, whether we want to call them personality tests, or I I like to call them self-knowledge tests, because they teach us about ourselves. Uh, each one of them, you know, helps us know and understand ourselves better. Uh, you know, I've said it on here before, I did a clergy leadership program here in Virginia. And I mean, we took all of them. Like we, mm-hmm. we did every single one of them, uh, you know, across, across the year. And, and, and I did most of that online because of COVID, but, you know, really knowing and understanding, you know, what makes you tick. And then like you say, matching those things of saying, all right, th- these are things that make you tick with your passions uh for those of us, you know, in the church, one of our big passions is probably faith, especially for those of us who are pastors. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, your whatever your vocation is maybe a passion of yours. Uh, your hobbies are your passions. They're the things that drive you and a lot of times those are things that help to play roles in your mental health. Uh, you know, the amount of times that I just go on a run to clear my mind is probably the most important part of my daily, weekly, monthly ritual, uh, because that's the thing that's going to help me to just get in the right mental headspace to be able to, you know, feel refreshed, feel relaxed, X, Y, Z. And so as, as we continue to to move in there, what is it deep inside of us that is motivating us to do things? And what's pushing us forward? Um, and I just, I, I, it feels like It's like in, you know, when you're, when you're preaching, you always feel like you're preaching about the same thing, (laughs) Uh, but it's the same lessons over and over again. Uh,
1: But people need to like, but, but because everyone is different, you know, this time somebody else might hear it in a different way. I challenged myself. I can't remember when it was, but to listen to every single sermon that was available on uh, every Christmas Eve sermon by Adam Hamilton one year. I was uh-huh. going to listen to them all because I was interested to to see how he changes up his message. Guess what? He doesn't. He
0: doesn't. He doesn't.
1: <laughs> um, and so, but, but guess what? Every, different people are touched every single year. Yeah. By the things that he says, and I wanted to say something else. It's like you said, Myers Briggs, Strength Finders, Enneagram, all of these tools. Like they don't all have to work for you. Like if you find the one that works for you, and in in helping you deepen your relationship with yourself, with others, and with God then like, then that put that tool in your tool belt, you know, the yeah. others, they don't have to work. The Enneagram doesn't have to be your thing, but Mm-mm. if it resonates with you and it helps you get closer to what is the ultimate thing that's deep down inside of us, I think there's a few things. I think one is connection. Yeah. We de- we want to be deeply connected to to ourselves, to others, to God. I think the other is a sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. We 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 desperately want meaning in our lives. And I would hope at least I've known this in my own life, and with the people that I see and think, "Oh wow, I want what they have," is a sense of peace mm-hmm. in the midst of, of circumstances that would not give one piece. <laughs> and so oh, no, those, yeah. yeah So I think you know, those, those three things for me are connection, meaning and peace are what I think deep within us screams when we're out of, and I don't believe in balance, but when we are significantly imbalanced in our living, I think those are the things that scream in within us that mm-hmm. something is not right here.
0: And in those times where, where things aren't right, it, it benefits us to have sort of uh, just things that we can do right in the moment. Um, and, you know, When I talk about anxiety and when I talk about, you know, my own anxiety, my anxiety and panic attacks, I always talk about breath and breath is like the thing that brings me back. And so like when I'm having just a really hectic moment, you know, sometimes it works better than others, but, but I just have, but I just have to breathe and it's in the breath that I kind of reconnect my, I'd say that I reconnect myself to reality because everything that's happening around me isn't. And so as, as you're practicing your self-care, what are, what are those just, I turn to this, when i'm when i'm struggling when I'm having a difficult day you know I, I i go to x i go to y what what are those things for you
1: i mean I love it i think it's aaron moon she's a uh she helps run a podcast that's on uh called the bible bench she's on Instagram, but she always says take a stupid walk and like mm-hmm. i've adopted that like i just a stupid walk <laughs> is really helpful when like this things if i just need to you know. Eject myself from a situation and go on that stupid walk. That's very helpful for me. It gives me um, some time to you know, regulate my breath, to regulate like just my thoughts. I also find that you know, telling my husband and listen, you know what? I'm just gonna, for me personally, I'm just gonna go to Target. I'm gonna get a coffee. I'm just going to walk. I'm going to do my stupid walk in the aisles target. So uh, that, that's another for me. And, and also just, I, I would say, um, you know, any, any place I can just go and, and, and press pause. So mm-hmm. if that is into to the grocery store or sometimes I just have to disorient myself, like I have to, re, I have to get out of that place. So mm-hmm. I think just like dislocation is really helpful for me. In helping recenter when I'm having a rough day, uh, whether it be because of my family and the stress that that causes, uh, whether it be the job and the stress that ministry causes, uh, other out external relationships, I think dislocation is very helpful. I love to do restorative yoga. So I have always been like, I wish I could be a yogi, but I, I just don't have that kind of like one mindfulness to like connect my body. My, I'm always, I'm a, th- I'm a competitive person. I'm always yeah. looking to see like, can I get into that pose deeper than the person next to me? And, um, will the instructor notice and think I'm, I'm a better yogi than that person? Like that's, and that's toxic thoughts. Like that's the worst, that's the worst part of my personality. Especially well, in
0: yoga. Yeah,
1: it's, no, <laughs> exactly. When it's like, Where it's supposed to be
0: non-judgmental. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So uh, we got a Peloton this year, finally, like just gave in and got one uh, off, you know, secondhand. And we, I didn't know how much I was going to love it. But I love the Peloton because I can just ride my bike to Disney and Broadway songs. But uh, the Peloton app does, it has meditations and it has restorative yoga. And so I started taking a couple of classes a week. You literally like just get to, it's like instructive napping. Mm. Right, uh, you restorative yoga class will be twenty or thirty minutes, and you stay in a position that is supported by your props, so by a bolster and a blanket and your block, and you lay in that pose for like six to eight minutes. And and I'm all by myself. I turn the lights off in on, in our office slash workout room, and I just the only light is the light of the screen with the instructions. And it has be become such a, a gift to me. I don't have anyone to compete with. I don't have anybody who's watching. Uh, and so that's one thing that's been helpful recently that I discovered.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I think it's in putting putting aside our personality and and what what drives and passions us, because uh, you know, Enneagram three. But but also more so, one of the things that drives me is just being an extrovert, being around people. You know, being driven by by being in crowds, by you know, being around lots of friends, by hanging out with people, uh, and. I'll often be reminded that when I'm taking that breath, uh, not, and, and I've had therapists who have reminded me about this, I have you know colleagues and friends who remind me about this, is when I take that breath and I just stop and pause, I'm letting go of that extroversion that's driving me. Mm. And so I also think that sometimes in order to connect with our true self, sometimes we need to put away this stuff that really identifies us. Now I mean that comes with knowledge of who we are, because I have to recognize and name that I am probably one of the biggest extroverts on the face of this earth. <laughs> mm. um, and so and if I'm really going to come back into myself, I need to recognize that all right, maybe maybe I just need to a moment to center on myself, and it's, and it's really cool that we hear those kinds of things because when when we are practicing self-care. It is, not, it is not necessarily for others in that moment, right? That, that self-care is for us. Now, I will preach and, and teach as I'm building this theology that we have to care for ourselves because it puts us in a better mindset. It puts us in a better you know, phys- place physically, mentally, emotionally that we can care for others. But it's, but it's ultimately at the beginning of the stage for us. And I think we need to recognize that as we start to look at what self-care is going to look like in our lives personally. And I have to, and, and like you started at the beginning, like we have to put away the quick fix, the, the, the diet plans, you know, sometimes we have to put that stuff away. I think that there are ways in which it could work for some of us, depending on what it is, but how are we going to know if we try and jump straight in, right? How am I going to know if like the keto diet is the thing that's going to fix me? If I, if I don't know deep inside that maybe I have something with carbs that is preventing me from doing things like, you know I've I've, I've running friends who will just go into ke- go into keto and I'm like you realize that as a runner keto is like the worst thing that you can do for yourself
2: <laughs> life
0: without carbs you're gonna be hurting a lot there as you get in the later stages, uh, and so I think oftentimes. Like I said, it comes with knowing ourselves, but then it also comes with knowing how to put even ourselves aside so that we can care for ourselves or who society thinks we are.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I mean, that's very much like that, that society piece of just, you know, we're so, dis- we just are people of distraction. We just want to be distracted all the time because we never want to sit alone with ourselves and actually realize the, how disconnected we are, how disconnected we are from who, who we want to be, who we think we are. And who we actually are. I have a colleague who says your policy is not what you hope to implement. Your policy is actually what you're doing. So, <laughs> so we uh, we always talk about that in terms of of the church. It's like actually we need to make sure that the policy is actually what we're doing, not uh-huh. what our the, not our greatest aspiration. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that, that, that's just not, it's not workable. And I think we have all these great aspirations and we think there's a certain way of being in the world. And if we can, uh, and we're going to keep trying and failing miserably to attain it, when we could accept that there's other ways of being in the world and we're actually doing a pretty good job at it um, yeah. and being and being our own selves. Now that's so much easier said than done, but the work that, you know, whether that's with your therapist, whether that's with your pastor or spiritual director or small group leader or a, a small group accountability, you know, finding finding out that uh, who you actually are in the deepest, who God created you to be is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, we don't always have to be striving to become something other. Um, yeah. It's actually, instead of, you know, transforming into something else sometimes it's that returning and 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 re reconverting to who we always have been and who God has always seen us as
0: and so for you in your life what have what have the boundaries meant for you what is it meant to be able to to form healthy boundaries as you seek to create this lifestyle of self-care that guides your professional ministry your personal ministry the the life that you have with your family, what role has boundaries played in that life?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, especially for an Enneagram three who has terrible work boundaries. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think, you know, that uh, knowing myself better has been really helpful in trying to figure out, you know, um, for instance, I was, uh, I was late this morning for something uh, for a uh, an outreach event I was running late because my ten month old was up all night, and my husband was trying to be nice, and so he let me sleep a little later, but usually my five year old wakes me up at six, so I wasn't even thinking that there was a chance I'd be late. Well, he didn't let the five year old come in so here it is after eight, and I am mortified because I'm the pastor, and i'm gonna be late to this thing and i i in the car was like, it, honest is anyone honestly going to care except you and so I just kind of let it go in this moment of just saying, okay, I'll just show up. Did anyone say anything about me being late? Did anyone care? Was everybody mm-hmm. just like excited to see me jump right in? Let's get it done. Absolutely. And I could have really beaten myself up before and after that event because I'm uh, I'm so attached to the way people see me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they see me be late, that's just such a crime. Um, but just giving yourself permission to be, I think, more, uh, more of who you are, you know. Let yourself fail, but the boundaries I've established are definitely trying to keep that Sabbath. Well, I know it's so funny for pastors to, uh, with all the things that come up, but to really try to at least on Saturdays make that be a day that's for my family. It's the only day me and my husband have off together. Mm. Um, so those those boundaries, um, you being able to say no when. And I'm really fortunate. I have a team. I have a, I'm on staff at a church. And so I have a wonderful, you know, senior pastor, lead pastor who is, is kind enough to say, okay, I'll take this one. You take that one and things like that. So it helps us create boundaries because we're both heart centered. He's a two. Mm -hmm. So relationships and showing up are really important to us. So we both help one another. I think sometimes with those boundaries, uh, but just deciding what, who I want to be And again, what those values are has really helped. So even the other day, I kind of, I've been going through this um, program through our YMCA. That's Mm -hmm. like a, uh, it's a a well-being course, essentially it's 12 weeks. And this week we just did positive psychology. So it's not just about how, like, here's what you need to eat. Here's how much you need to exercise. Actually, that's, those are two out of 12. We do something every week. So we've done mindfulness. This week goes positive psychology and it's, you know, I had to reframe some things around, uh, I can't believe I haven't worked out this week instead of, you know, I really want to work out this week for X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, so to create those, uh, those habits and those things that have, I try to also look back and see in my life, the seasons where I was able to, you know, maybe integrate more of the things I wanted to, what was different about those seasons? What was it about that that time that helped me be on track in this one particular area? Not just physically, but like when I was really when I was reading the Word every morning and things like that. What gave me that kind of uh, motivation and that kind mm-hmm. of discipline in that season? And pull from that, pull from that my past self those that wisdom uh, in, in trying to muster it up now. My life's a lot different now than it was in those seasons. So how can I bring forward some of those things, but yet recognize that I have new boundaries, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I have somewhere to be from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. It is kneeling beside the bathtub and putting babies in bed. So I have to recognize I have new boundaries in my life. And to be kind to myself mm-hmm. about that, I can go to the gym from 7 to 8.30 and I'll never be able to again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when they're out of the house, right? Maybe, maybe
2: one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and again, boundaries fit within that schedule. You know, it's the it's it's how we lay ourselves, lay out everything before us when we're talking about doing what we want to do. And for some people, that means, you know, micro-scheduling, scheduling just all the 5-minute blocks throughout the day. For other people, it's having a general idea of I need to do this at this time and I have this at this time. Um, but it's it's being honest with ourselves and with our community. Uh, I know in, in pastoral ministry, uh, I often tell people one of the greatest, you know, resources that you have at your church is your SPRC. Uh, if they're, if it's done well, like if it's not, and, and I have friends who have SPRCs that are not always helpful and, you know, I, 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 I grieve for them, but, but when the SPRC is helpful and they're in your corner, They are like, I know I can go and tell my SPRC, Hey, I need vacation. Or, like, you know, for listeners, they'll remember or you'll know that when I got back, like, we had a terrible vacation. We had, you know, four days at the lake, and then we get home, my son has COVID, and we have to cancel the second part of our vacation. And I went in and I, and like, just laid it out to the SPRC, and I said, This is what happened. Like, this was not vacation. Like, it just, it just didn't feel like it. Uh, it, it. In no way did it, I mean, I, I would honestly like say I was off. I did not come into work. I didn't preach on Sunday. I stayed at home all the time, but it did not feel like vacation. And so now we're talking about, all right, well, let's figure out how Pastor Andrew can get, you know, it, it might be tough between now and Thanksgiving to get like a whole week off. But even if it's like some days during the week, where I can take time off and maybe, you know, uh, we're planning to go camping up in somewhere. I have have no idea. One of the state parks in Virginia. I can't, I don't know which one yet. Um, But we're going to go camping for a few days for my my son's birthday. Uh, And I'm going to take, you know, a couple of days off work there. And, you know, we'll plan something uh, later on in October, maybe. Uh, But having folks around us who can help to support us as we're doing these things. But... They can't support us if they don't understand what we need. And or I think if not
1: even understand. No. No. Like, I yeah. mean, <laughs> you know, it's one is knowing, and another thing to understand. Yeah. I mean, for instance, I, I think I mentioned we're, we're moving next mm-hmm. week, you know, and I was planning to take a week of vacation the following week in order to um, move myself. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, ask for the time off and they're like, moving is not vacation. Moving is not vacation and we all have to move. And so, uh, honoring that and saying, you know, work when you can during that week and get it in, check your emails, be available if, in case something comes up, but we're not going to make you take that as one of your restorative weeks that you get. Yeah. Uh, and I was so grateful for that. And I, it's not something I asked for. It's something that I, uh, that I was, a, 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 a they saw something and they, they said they, they could support me in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think communication is so important because none of the questions we don't ask get answered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: And so, and that begs the question of when we're in unhealthier environments, when we're in environments that are not uh, helpful in those ways, what are some things that you've done in the past to ensure that you're Setting good boundaries that they're well communicated uh and then that they're understood that these are my boundaries, and it would be great if you could just stick to them
2: mm.
1: well, I think when you're in a really unhealthy place that's the hardest time to make sure that mm-hmm. you're adhering to those boundaries. I know when I think back about the hardest season of ministry for me, it was uh you know my saving grace was my therapist, and she was so helpful in just helping me stay grounded in. And who I was just for one hour, one every week. Yep. Just that's I could I could stay grounded in who I was for one hour every week. And I think other people around me, um, my best friend Lindsay. It, you know, we talk probably yeah you know, five times a week. And on the way, it's all we're always on the way to church and on the way home from church at the same exact time. So that's when we always talk and kind of unload and debrief and process. And so that's also having people around you who can remind you of who you are, are outside of this unhealth and if you can have that perspective of knowing this is a season and that uh and I think it is imperative that you whoever your support system is if it's people in the church if it's people outside the church but to help you to make a plan to Somehow rehabilitate or to remove yourself from the situation to either rehabilitate it or to remove yourself because there's nothing I've been talking to my SBRC uh, about it recently the somebody who's about to become the chair and we were talking about that difficult season and I said, you know I was a shell of a person
2: mm-hmm. and
1: i was I, I jokingly said I was the, I, said, you know, I was the skinniest I've ever been, and I was the least healthy I've ever been
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I just wasn't taking care of myself. I I you know, was in the twilight zone. I had an infant and I was writing my ordination papers and things were really hard at church in ways that I I'm still recovering from and still processing. And thank God, the church and myself, we decided let's be, be resilient and get through this together and heal mm-hmm. together. And we did. And it's a miracle, but I remember that boundaries were actually in some ways like when i put said a hard no like i'm not picking up my phone or i'm not doing this on saturday because i have to when things are good here now i'm like oh who cares I'll, and yeah i'll take it it's probably not even that big of a deal but <laughs> on a saturday or you, and it's a that, that's kind of the creepiness of things you know it can yeah. creep in when you're feeling really good you can start to let those those um those boundaries and those those you know limits down and then when Things are hard. It it is a call to action to hardline some of those boundaries. So,
0: yeah, and and one of the things that you bring up in there is this holistic nature of of self care, of soul care, of spe- of of whatever you know we want to call it here. Uh, you know, you talk about being the being the 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 skinniest you've ever been, and yet the unhealthiest you've ever been, uh, and society would be like, nah, nah, you <laughs> look great. Like, this is awesome. Uh, but deep down, and, and this is why self-care becomes such a, a difficult thing to practice. And and we've mm-hmm. talked about it on this podcast before, of that holistic nature and just the mounting, like crushing weight that it is of having to deal with the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the social, all of these things. And so how like, how do you... How do you get out of that funk? Like, how do you how do you get out? Because to me, in my, in the times where I've been in the, those unhealthy situations, um, and and part of this comes down to just the way that my brain processes being ADHD. Like, I can only handle one task at a time, and so when I look at my life and I see, okay, uh, my my career is bad. Um, my physical health is bad. My family health is bad. My spiritual health is bad. My mind's like, all right, you could choose one of them, but you can't choose all of them. Um, it's I mean, it's so difficult. <laughs> what what are, I mean, what are some ways that that we can look and understand that? Maybe breaking it down and things like that.
1: That's so funny. I I once was doing. I had a was doing a training an enneagram training and said that I find as a three I like to diversify my work interests. And so <laughs> if one's going bad, like maybe another one's going well, so I can always cling to that. Um, oh, that's so, what,
0: yeah. My wife says yeah. I can't I can't stick to a profession longer than three years. <laughs> if I make it, if I make it at this church another year, it'll like. It'll be the longest I've been at a church. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's it's so funny for me to think about like diversifying health. So you feel like you're winning somewhere, Um, (laughs) but how do you, uh, how do you prioritize or how do you, and I love what you said. Um, I just recently uh, listening to a lecture and they said, we should all aspire to be single taskers. to be single taskers because it is impossible to be a multitasker and to do it well. And so I think that might be one of the keys is to, is to try to focus on one of them at a time. Like maybe not like all I'm going to do is focus on my spiritual health for the next six weeks. No, like maybe for this moment, Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on my spiritual health and my husband and I, you know, we've had quite a year. It's our seventh year of marriage, which is notoriously the hardest year of marriage. Well, we decided to have a baby. Buy a new house. He's changed jobs, so we just decided to pack it all in in this already like traditionally tough year. And we've been talking about like how do you have those values it match up with with your life? You know, mm-hmm. when it comes to work. And he's you know, been thinking. And I said, you know, sometimes sometimes it's not going to go our way. You know, sometimes church life is going to be hard. You know, we none of us asked for COVID. So how so so how did you? How do you make meaning out of that time? How do you mm-hmm. find a sense of health or a sense of wellness or wholeness uh, during that time? We, you have to change your definition. And I I think that that's that part of it. It's like, where can I find connection, meaning, and peace in this space? At, just in whatever way, you know, so maybe that's, I'm not going to crush my physical health right now. Maybe that's just how it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be what I can do. Um, if for a lot of us, when it came to COVID, we were not crushing our social health. Like that was not going to be the thing that we were getting done. Our social, uh, and extroverts
0: everywhere weeped.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) but, but to find, find new, new definitions. And Mm -hmm. that's again, like acceptance is a really big part of that, but I like single tasking. I'm more about single tasking these days.
0: It can it could definitely be healthier. But but then like when everything feels mounting, that's when it (laughs) when when your brain I think it's for me, it's when my brain wants to do more. It wants to do all those things. And then at the same time, it's like, but you're only going to do one. And so then that (laughs) that raises the anxiety up, 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 up.
1: (laughs) Because you Um, feel like everything else is not happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, I feel like I mean, for a lot of folks uh, who, who are listening to this and hearing it, I mean you, you made the perfect, you know, connection when we talk about COVID, uh, because I, I can't, I mean, I, my wife it says, Oh yeah, COVID, COVID was easy. Cause she loves, she's an introvert. She loves to be alone. She loves to stay at the house. Uh, but also I, I can, you know, look past the the veil of, of those kinds of things and know, okay, well, it, it was kind of tough. Um, probably cause she had to spend a lot more time with me now. <laughs> um, but I mean, COVID is one of those things where we can look at it and, and everybody can see, no, this, and name, this is how COVID was tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that can be another point of self-reflection. Uh, I often like to say that being able to look at the hard times is, is one of the things that helps to inside us for when we get back there. Uh so one of the things that that I've been doing in therapy recently uh and you know letting folks into my life is is I've been unpacking my last pastoral appointment a lot which was filled with uh spiritual and emotional scarring. Um and and unpacking so that when I am in if I am in those situations again I can find ways to to more health to in a better and healthy manner address the anxiety that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I have realized is, yes, that church may have been toxic for me, but was there also a point where I made it toxic because of my responses to things? Did I make the toxicity worse? Mm-hmm. And and I think for a lot of us, knowing and naming those unhealthy scenarios and those unhealthy situations really helps us to not only heal, but makes it so that when we get into those situations again in the future, which we don't hope we have to. Um, but unfortunately, humanity and creation is a a crazy cosmos. Um, we can trust that the work that we do and the self-care that we take part in, you know, that's why I asked when life is tough, what are those practices that we use to ground ourselves? Um,
1: yeah. And I think, you know, that's such an important piece to name too. We think that, uh, oftentimes I think if you were to ask somebody, you know, why, why don't you do the things that you want to do? You know, all those mm-hmm. things that contribute to what you would say would be your best value based life. Uh, a lot of times we blame external things and it's not, you know, I, I, I can't get up in the morning cause I have this to do, or I can't go to the gym this time. I even said it. I can't go to the gym from time to 830 cause I blame my kids. Like it's all these external things that impact it, but you, we do at some point have to take responsibility, but also in that responsibility is agency.
2: Too, mm-hmm.
1: of saying, if I participated in this, then I actually am a change agent in it as well. I was just listening to a podcast with Jen hat hatmaker, which I've never listened uh to her usually I just listen to if like the the subject interests me, and so it was I was listening actually she was on another podcast, and she's a three on the on the enneagram and she was talking about how her life imploded and her marriage ended, and it came. Crashing down, and it was not her decision. Mm-hmm. She was not a part of that decision in ending that marriage. Unfortunately, she was But now, two years out, looking back and doing all the self work and all the the uh, counseling and therapy, and you know all these things, she can see how, uh, as someone who had no ability to self reflect and to uh, look inside for for cracks in in her life, how how hard that must have been to be married to. For mm-hmm. someone who refused to deal with anything that seemed anything less than shiny and perfect. And so I was listening to it thinking, oh, no, it feels like you know, felt a little too close to home. Yeah. About how, <laughs> you know, uh, processing that at three. She said, it must have been really hard to be married to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now she can own that and like be a change agent in her own life for recognizing that she w- she did participate. Maybe not in the ways that we would traditionally see and blame and be mad about. but she was. She took active responsibility. I thought that's such an honorable and beautiful thing to to do. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I commend you for that work of thinking how how might I have went in my I, maybe I didn't maybe I didn't get lost in this forest, but I definitely didn't help us find our way out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I, well, and it comes back to that self reflection piece, and I think that that uh, it becomes the ultimate base for a good self care ritual and and knowing and understanding ourselves as we reflect on who we have been. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I like to reflect on and, and, you know, I I wanted to ask the question is, you know, you, you've been on a journey and, and I've, you know, witnessed and, you know, Corey and I have known each other for a while and known each other by proxy for a long time. Um, and, you know, seeing that journey come out, what are some of those things that as you look back, it's like, man, I wish I could have told myself this 10, 15 years ago.
1: Oh man, that's, uh. Wow. <laughs> I think, you know, to be honest, I wish I had begun that the journey of of trying to find uh a way of being in the world that wasn't um trying to fulfill a need that I couldn't fulfill. Mm-hmm. Like I think I wish I'd just begun I wish I knew now what I knew then. Uh and I, I say this a lot like i wish i could go back as i am now and live this time of my life because i just think it would have been I, it would have been so different but i think you know what i wish i could tell my my younger self for 10 or 15 years ago is uh, you are the best person for deciding <laughs> what you want your life to look like and that's so hard in our day and age when we're just constantly bombarded with, you know, social media and all these expectations and we're constantly held to expectations. Uh, but I think, you know, we are the best measure of what's going to work for us and accepting that you, you're the best version of yourself right now. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's the same as it's going to be tomorrow, uh. But you are so worthy and so beautiful. And in the world, it is the world's problem that they cannot see that. It is the world's problem. The world, uh, I am up against um, a flawed, a broken world's view. And I think that that would have been really helpful for me to hear.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I wonder how much our society often ignoring that this is a broken world and that because of that, we are byproducts of a broken world, um, that that we're not willing to deal with that right now, and then we often ignore it. Um, I mean, I often reflect on that, just how much the brokenness of our society leads us to not recognize the brokenness within ourselves, uh, because we so much want to be part of a perfect society. I often wonder, like, the American dream, how much that hinders our ability to actually, like truly reach any understanding of self-love, self-worth, self-care that can really put us in a place to love our neighbors. Um and it's that kind of reflection that really launches something like this this community, this podcast, you know, this kind of wanting to learn, okay, how do we kind of move past these ideas and understandings? So And I wanted
1: to go back to, no, I wanted to, it's something you said earlier, it's like the self-care ritual. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners obviously have a very deep understanding of, and maybe appreciation for ritual. And so I think that's, to make things a ritual, like Mm -hmm. that there's a meaning attached that even if, even if we're not feeling it and we show up, we can hopefully expect to get something out of it. So like to see my, my, my... (laughs) son, Ephraim, he's four. He has ritualized our mornings. Mm -hmm. He is, it is morning time. And so anyone who comes in our home, who is going to be there in the morning is invited to participate in morning time. If you Mm -hmm. ask him what morning time is, he goes, I have my milk. You have your coffee. We watch TV and we snuggle on the couch.
2: <laughs>
1: like <laughs> and I I'm like that is a ritual I will never miss even if I'm not feeling it like I yeah. can be I can be convinced otherwise. And so to see your self-care as ritualized I think is awesome. Like your after dinner walk it's a ritual. It's not a punishment, it's not a requirement, it's a ritual. It is can be as sacred as communion.
2: Mhm.
0: Well, and I mean if we're if we're taking the great commandment seriously, like if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, then, I mean, if we're so if we're going to love God and then we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, then ritual is what plays the big role in that. And I think, especially for you and I in the Methodist tradition, we recognize the way in which rituals are means of grace for us. Mm-hmm. They're ways in which we experience God's grace within our lives. And, you know, I think I was very intentional attentional about, you know, playing or, or recognizing self care as a ritual instead of just something we practice, something we do. And, I wonder if that does make it feel whole holier, in a and way sacred.
1: Yeah, yeah, sacred, yeah. So. I think in and and sacred when something's sacred, I hold it in such an entirely different regard mm-hmm. than something that I can just skip out on, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I think that is really, really beautiful. Like my when I do my restorative yoga practice in the evenings, it feels sacred.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: truly. So. I just want to say I really like, really oh, like no self-care ritual.
0: It was, uh, it was great having you on. Corey, let's hit these uh, end of podcast questions as we close sure. our time out today. Uh, what's something that makes you feel accomplished?
1: Oh, uh, definitely uh, something that makes me feel accomplished. Anytime I can get on my Peloton ride and I can PR.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, that's an accomplishment. There you go. Who do you go to when life gets tough? Aside from God.
1: <laughs> oh, when life gets tough, I say it's, it's equal. I go to my, my mom and my best friend, Lindsay uh, Freeman, who you probably know very, yep. very well. Um, but shout out to Lindsay. So.
0: And then what's an upcoming goal that you have?
1: Oh, yes, that's great. An upcoming goal that I have is I am right now in the midst of, It feels so weird. It's a real in-person uh, course to become a health and wellness coach. And so that is like, it's something I've wanted for a really long time. And even though my life is so busy, the stars have aligned and I'm pursuing it. So that is, that's a, that'll be this semester. And then I'll be eligible to do my practice hours. Then I'll be eligible to sit for my exam. So I'm really excited about that.
0: So when y'all are listening to this episode, let's be sure to give Corey a shout out for all the amazing things that she's doing. Oh, that, that is awesome. Like a real in-person. I love how you like yes. caveated all of that. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Well, Corey, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was such a blessing to have you.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. I'm glad for the work y'all are doing on Active Faith.
0: Thank you. So again, as always, I mean, this is just such great conversation, such great information. I hope that you take out of this what what hopefully I took out of it, and that is that there is this no one definition of health or healthy living, healthy lifestyle, like I said at the beginning, at the top, like Corey mentioned in there, you know, it, it really aligns with what are our values. When we establish and understand our values, we can establish and understand what it means to live healthy for us. And I think that that becomes the important note as we all begin to develop these theologies of self-care. They're going to guide and and bring us into how we express ourselves, how we care for ourselves, because each one of us are different in many, many different ways. And, and that's why, you know, we talked about these... Getting to know you tests, or, or whatever we want to call them, how we know ourselves uh, deeply and within ourselves, whether it's the Enneagram, whether it's Mars Briggs, whether it's Strengths Finders, whether it's any number of things, these things are going to help to insight and help us to identify what are our values, what drives us, what brings us to be who we are. And as I reflect on this episode and how Corey and I really unpacked that, really how Corey unpacked that, uh, and how we kind of had that discussion back and forth, my mind continues to wonder, you know, okay, what does my healthy lifestyle look like completely? And then what plays roles in those healthy lifestyles? What community comes in and helps to guide me as I live out that healthy lifestyle? And I hope that as you're listening, you begin to develop those uh, ideas and feelings too. I want to thank y'all for joining in this conversation, for listening along, for hanging in this long. Uh, here at the end, I want to thank my Patreons, David Vaughn, Pam Anderson, Amy Dane. You know, if you want to get a shout out at the end of every episode, you me- love to support this mission and ministry that I'm putting forth in this podcast and this network, Uh, please go over to patreon.com slash run and rev the links in the podcast notes uh, to offer some support for this podcast and for all that I'm doing here. Don't forget to check out those show notes. Lots of good links in there. Like always, we've got the active the Active Faith community on Facebook. Uh, We've got information to find Active Faith Pod on social media. Corey's got some information in there as well. And I did include that link to the Pfeiffer for you clergy out there who are looking for stuff uh, to help to care for yourselves. So hopefully those are some links that help you continue to learn and grow. Uh, And then make sure you follow and subscribe to this podcast so that these new episodes, they're in your feed. I mean, you don't have to listen to them right away. That's cool, it's all right, but it, they, they pop into your feed right there. They automatically download, depending on how your settings go. Uh, And, and, you know, if you're really feeling generous and you want to help me out even more, uh, if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that really just helps folks to know how much you're enjoying the podcast and helps others to find the podcast as well. And if you wouldn't just mind taking a moment and sharing on social media, letting others know that you're listening along, I love to get folks shout out. If you tag the podcast, uh, I will give you a shout out. And if you leave a review, I will give you a shout out in the outro of the next episode. And so may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for
2: God's kingdom. Amen.